اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم افتح اقفال قلوبنا بذكرك واتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك امين يا رب العالمين يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار اما بعد beloved brothers and sisters dear listeners assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we ask allah azza wa jalla that that through the barakah of all those who are making a sacrifice of coming and attending Salat Fajr here and all those who are listening from wherever they may be through their sacrifices we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to accept all of our Fajr Salah, our Ibadah, our Dua, our Dhikr and allow us to be inspired with uh, to say such words and share such words which will be of greatest benefit to myself and all those who are present and I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that whatever we share and whatever we hear that he does not make this a proof against us but rather a proof for us on the Day of Judgment and whatever good we hear, may Allah Azza wa Jal immediately enable myself and all of us to put into practice and enable us to share with others as well. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Last week we began the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, who will take from me these words and practice on it or teach whoever will practice on it. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa further went on after Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu said, I will ya Rasulullah. He took, Rasool, he took Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu's hand and he, began, and he counted five things. And uh, we covered the first one, ittaqil maharim takun a'abad al-nas. Stay away from those things which are forbidden and you will be from amongst the greatest worshippers. One of the things, we, alhamdulillah, many things were beneficial things inshallah were shared last week at the, at, on, the, on the beginning portion of this hadith. I uh, wanted to um, repeat some of those things or share some more details on, on just wasiyah uh, and advice. Um, and that is that Rasulullah many times would be asked by different companions for some piece of advice. There would be companions who would come and say, Ya Rasulullah, Ausini, give me advice. And the Prophet response would be, for example, La taghdab, do not become angry. Okay. Ya Rasulullah, Ausini, can you please give me advice? Zidni, give me more advice. He would say, La taghdab. Zidni, Ya Rasulullah, I would like some more advice. The Prophet would say, La taghdab. Hadith related by Imam Bukhari. And so why did Rasulullah three times say La Taghdab to this individual? Because really for that, for, for that individual, the most important thing he needed to do was to control his anger. Everything else was secondary. And so Rasulullah focused on that which is absolutely necessary for that individual. Another man comes and said, Ya Rasulullah, the aspects of the deen are too many. All right, so tell me some one action that I can hold on to. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, لا يزال لسانك رطبا من ذكر الله Your tongue needs to always be moist with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For him, this individual, he gave him a piece of advice uh, that would be beneficial for him in all situations, wherever he may be. And this is obviously relevant to all of us as well. That's one thing you can keep in touch with, you can be, stay connected with. Because the dhikr, there's no, t- there's no time to say when the dhikr is... Uh, you know, not good to the extent right before entering the bathroom, right after you leave the bathroom, even before wudu, all the time, right before you go to bed, right after you wake up, it's dhikr, dhikr, dhikr. And your tongue being moist with that. And there are times when you cannot move or recite with your tongue, then you do it with your heart. 
but there should always be a, a time that a, always a person should heart be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa gave advice based on what was uh, the person who's asking and, his, and the specific situation that he was coming another man said Ya Rasulullah Ayyul Amal Yafdal which is the most preferable action the Prophet ﷺ said As-Salatu Ala Waqtiha performing Salah on time um, another person said Ya Rasulullah what is the best of actions the Prophet ﷺ said Alayka Bissawm you need to hold on to fasting for inna la adlilahu because there's nothing equivalent to fasting Another person says, Ayyul Islam khair. Which Islam, what portion of Islam or what type of Islam or what aspect of Islam is the best? The Prophet said, You need to feed people. Feed the people. And then share salam with those who you know and those who you don't know. Right? This, he focused on his character building. Focus on the character building. They have a habit of being generous, feeding people, whatever you can. Feeding people does not mean you have to have a lot. Whatever from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you, feed the people. Create a habit of, of, be, of, of becoming a means of uh, comfort and source of fulfillment of the needs of the people. If there's just an amazing feeling of seeing, feeding someone. When you know someone is hungry and you give them food, there's this amazing feeling looking at someone eating who is hungry, a satiation that you cannot get even if you eat yourself. That is something a person needs to have a desire uh, as the Prophet ﷺ said afdalu sadaqa the very best form of charity and tushbi'a kabidan ja'i'a that you feed a hungry stomach and he kept it general even if it's basically an animal feeding a hungry animal feeding a hungry bird feeding a hungry cat and of course feeding a hungry human being there's nothing like that it's one of the best forms of sadaqa that a person um, should uh, can achieve so Rabbi wanted this individual to focus on that. And then number two, this being generous with your salam. Saying salam to anyone and everyone, those who we know and those who we don't know. And this is another major problem is that we have relationships with people who we have some connection with or some affinity with or some benefits connected with. That's not what the deen teaches us. The deen teaches us that we, we don't look, we are not out there looking for our personal uh, benefits when we say salam. Every single person, Ummati of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi is our brother and sister. And whether we know them or not, whether we have anything that we can benefit from them or not, we are going to be saying salam to such people all over. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in all of these various ahadith and many more, you see people are coming and asking advice and he's giving different types of advice based on the need of that individual, based on the time, uh, you know, where that individual is asking. And... And that is why if someone, first of all, we, we learn from here that we should ask advice, right? We should ask advice and not ask advice for the sake of asking, but ask advice with a genuine desire of practicing what you're going to hear. Because many times we ask and then we hear it and then like, ah, that's not, I'm not interested in that. Then why did we ask? Right? Don't ask if you're not going to practice. Ask with the niyyah that yes, I am in need of this piece of advice and um, I will, I will inshallah practice on it. Because like, speaking from what we spoke about maybe a couple weeks ago, we are all in need of elders. We're all in need of their experience. We're all in need of their knowledge. We're all in need of the views, viewpoint or vantage point that they have. Um, and no matter how educated we ourselves may be, but you, can't, you, you cannot uh, you know, 
avoid or you cannot bypass experience. Experience is something, uh, uh, you know, unmatched, second to none. And beyond that, ilm, people have more ilm for us. So when we visit a scholar, when we visit an imam, when we visit a person of knowledge, we should, along with sharing, you know, certain things and so forth, we should always ask advice. And the more precise we are, the better. Like I said, people many times said, make dua for me. Take make dua, then sometimes, ah, but what for, what dua, dua for what? Ah, I don't know. If you don't know, how am I supposed to know? You need to know what dua you want. I said, imagine you go to a restaurant and you just say, I, I want food. Okay, this is a menu, what do you want? So I don't know. So what does the guy got to do, right? You, you yourself say, you need to ask, we need to know what is, please make dua for afia, make dua for shifa, make dua for rizq al-halal, make dua for righteous children, make dua for a, a loving, caring spouse, make dua for funat. We share what our needs are. And if we don't know, if we don't even have anything on our mind, then say, please ask Allah Azza wa Jal, whatever you think is best for me. Whatever you think I need at this time. Because a lot of times people you go visit, they, they look at you, they scan you in and out, and they know where you need, where you're hurting or where, what you need to improve on. But you know, you never asked, what do I need to improve on? So, they're not gonna say it. But in their heart, if you tell them, Shaykh, just make dua for me, whatever you think I need, where you think I need the most. Alhamdulillah, you give an option now to make dua for whatever mistakes and flaws that they see within us to be removed. Correct? Because they see us, they know exactly what we're, what we're, where we're lacking. They may not tell us, naturally it's the first time we're meeting them, second time we're meeting them, especially if we have not officially become their student or we have not asked them for guidance. Say, so yeah, we haven't asked them for guidance. Then uh, they're not going to tell us. So how in need you and I are of people who tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. So important that we, be, that we have such people in our lives that they just tell us, this is, this is your issue. I, I'm, you know, this one needs to be, you know, read the x-ray. Read the x-ray and say, this is what you need. So, <clears throat> if we don't ask or they may not be feeling very comfortable to share with us, but if you tell them, just make dua for me based on what you think is best, that is great. Otherwise, if there is some specific need of yours, they are not alimul ghayb, they are not aware of the unseen. So, don't expect them to know. Share with them. So, I was saying, similarly, when you ask, go to seek advice. Be as... Uh, you know, as, as, as precise as possible. I'm about to start a business. These are the issues and the parameters I'm working with. What advice do you have? Right? My children are at this age. These are some of the issues I'm dealing with. What is your advice? My spouse and I, this is how many years we're married. These are the issues. Specifically, what advice do you have? And so forth. So then, inshallah, you will be able to gain something um, very beneficial. Um, and it's surprising how sometimes people will just leave a voice message, um, a text message about some huge issue. They're not even understanding how, how many ramifications what they're about to do is going to have. And they're just like, oh, do you got any advice? In the passing, just like that, you know? What's your favorite f uh, uh, flavor of lemonade? And then, hey, you got some advice on this? <laughs> right? It's just kind of jumbled up together. So, then you do give some advice, whatever Allah puts in your heart. And that person later on says, oh my God, I can't believe I was going to do complete opposite. Oh, this is what I was going to do. Thank you for that. And you start thinking, SubhanAllah, like how are people making such big decisions without running by, like I thought I'm like maybe the ninth guy you're asking. But no, you happen to be the first guy 
I'm so happy to be the first person that you, you ran this by. And if you didn't ask this, the result, end result would have been just so bad. It's completely, you would have lost your job. You would have broken your marriage. Right? You would have lost your kid. Because of these type of really major blunders that we're making. So I'm just re-emphasizing the fact is that, please, let us... Allah says in the Quran, ask the people of remembrance, ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. Whatever we don't know, ask. Right? The cure for ignorance is to ask. Always better safe than sorry. That little humility that we have to go through, to have in order to humble ourselves and ask someone is beneficial, it's great. Um, do not allow our ego to come between us and asking. So it, these are examples of people coming and asking the Prophet ﷺ uh, on, on various issues and the Prophet ﷺ is giving them advice. There will be times that Rasulullah ﷺ did not wait for someone to ask advice and he would himself give them advice um, with nice, with kindness and, so, and, 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 and uh, lutf and wisdom and so forth. For example, the famous hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas عنه, that the Prophet ﷺ had him sitting on back behind his camel and he gave him very beautiful, comprehensive pieces of advice. Ya Ghulam, moves on, carries on, where Abdullah ibn Abbas then says, Ya Rasulullah, please do give me that advice. And Rasulullah mentions to him the importance of keeping Allah center and front in your life and take care of Allah. Allah will take care of you. Take care of Allah. Know Allah in times of ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know you in the times of difficulty. All right? And so forth. So if you remember last week, I talked about that this is an example of taking your son, daughter, or someone who you're going to give advice to, take them for a ride in a car, all right? Meaning, change, change it up. Whenever you want to give some piece of advice, going, through a, going to a walk in a park or going to an ice cream parlor, uh, and then, you know, by the way, just sharing what you need to share is a great way to get a soft landing to what, about your, what, what you're about to say, to sugarcoat what you're about to say. Right? You change the environment, make it more less tense, make it less stressful, and, and, and you, you utilize that time to give advice. You can see Rasulullah when he's having him behind his camel, is like driving the car. And when you see that what happens, there's no um, eye-to-eye contact. There are sometimes you have to speak to people without eye-to-eye contact because it's too much. What, about to, what, about what you're about to say is very heavy. If you're especially correcting someone, and on top of that, you're looking down, you're looking right into their eyes, or as they say, right into their soul, it gets a little bit too much overbearing for the individual to hear. So, to make it easy, you don't look at that person. Now, if obviously, if you're sitting right in front of them, I look at the other way, it's kind of awkward, right? But, um, you know, but you're sitting in a car, and you're f- focusing on the ro- road, and driving, it's a really nice casual way without uh, a while avoiding eye contact we can speak what we need to speak without making the person feel um, you know cornered Um, so try this whenever you are having to break some tough news to someone or you need to share with them something is that just avoid that eye contact and you'll see um, uh, you know not without letting them know specifically avoiding eye contact just to make it very natural Um, and that alhamdulillah at times makes the uh, difficult sh- news that you need to share, advice you need to share, easy. Additionally, you find from this hadith, besides taking someone for a ride, is that you see Rasulullah making the best of this journey, wherever he was going. So some, many times, we're sitting in the car, 
and there's someone around us, hey, benefit. Benefit, ask someone or share something news. Just because you're on a bus or on a flight or in a car, and it's not a majlis like this, it's not an official, advertised, marketed bayan, does not mean you cannot share something beneficial with someone. Right? Any any time that you are sitting with someone, utilize that time for in, in the most powerful and the most beneficial of manners. Uh, and, and 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 if there's something you can share. Benefit uh, that is a benefit to yourself or the audience or the passenger next to you, please go ahead and do it. There's no specific time. You're going at a restaurant and you have a time to share a couple words with the teller. You're at a restaurant, you have time to share a couple words with the waiter. Uh, do it. They say this is not a place. Who said it's not a place? Anytime you come, in, you, you come in touch with someone and you have a minute there to share something beneficial, by all means, whether it's salam, whether it's a few kind words, whether it's a few encouraging words, whether it's something to cheer someone up. We don't know who's going through what type of difficulty and situation. Our few words of, of empathy and sympathy, our few words of, uh, of uh, recognizing them, inviting them towards the deen, my beloved friends, is, is gold. And I want you to all understand that you don't have to be on a da'wah mission with a, with a, you know, a table and a boot to be able to give da'wah. Whether you give da'wah towards Islam, or you give da'wah towards Iman. Whether you give da'wah to become a Muslim, or whether you give da'wah to take the level of Islam that they have to the next one. Whether you give da'wah to Jum'ah Salah, Eid Salah, Aisha Salah, or a program in, your, in the local masjid of that restaurant, hospital, um, store that you are visiting. But don't ever miss out an opportunity. Whichever, to, wherever you see someone who you can speak with, even while you are at the cash register, say a few words. Say a few words. You don't know this person if you're going to ever come and see him again or he's ever going to see you again. You know, there's many Muslims out there who are absolutely just completely disconnected. Months and years go by from them and they have not visited a house of Allah Azza wa They're not hearing Jummah khutbas. They're not hearing talks. They're not hearing lectures, seminars, workshops. The only interaction is their customers. Their only interaction is uh, their clients. And if those Muslim customers and clients also do not share one or two pieces of advice or reminders or just share love, then these people will be completely deprived. And so uh, there's, there's, it doesn't have to be a very specific... Um, Cordon off special area and time for us to be giving da'wah and, and piece of advice in the elevator, right? MashaAllah. Now you see someone, they're with their kids. Start off with a nice comment. Oh, MashaAllah, what a beautiful child. Right? You, 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 see, you praise something, blessing uh, that they have, alhamdulillah. Um, and then share some, something. May Allah, you make a dua. Many times the advice comes in the form of dua. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep this child's iman strong. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this child to remain strong and connected to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and you move on. Your dua that you made for them is not only a dua, it's a piece of advice. So what I'm saying, there's so many different ways that a person can share something beneficial. My brothers and sisters, <laughs> once you make niyyah of practicing what I'm sharing, Allah will guide you. You will get the wisdom of how to go about doing these things when you want to do it. The issue is how many of us are interested in doing that? You're in the elevator with Muslims. How many of us are going to say something beneficial? Right? You're in the car, you're in an Uber ride, a shared ride with someone. This is not the time to just be on your phone the whole time. Share something beneficial. This is what I'm speaking about here. We have to become people who love the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that will look for opportunities 
to share something beneficial. Make this niyyah now, that inshaAllah, I will utilize any and all opportunities Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me to connect people back with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the wisdom for that. So, there are times when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would give advice without even being asked. But what happens is that he would change it up in a manner that the person he was giving advice to would feel special. So you have an instance where he's put Abdullah ibn Abbas Sidlanu behind him. You have another instance of Mu'adh ibn Jabal. He says, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa He grabbed my hand one day and he said, Ya Mu'adh. He said, Oh Mu'adh, inni la'uhibbuk. Oh Mu'adh, indeed I love you. Allahu Akbar. This is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi saying. So if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi where is he? He's telling an ummati, I love you. What about a parent telling their child? Alright? So try this. I spoke about this. I think I mentioned this last week as well. That you, we need to have a proper introduction. If someone stands up, turns on the mic and says, and so, this is what we need to do. How is the, how is the, how is the bayan starting like that? <laughs> if some random person just stands up on the mic and just starts speaking, like, what would happen? But where's the introduction? Where's the dua? How do you just begin? Who are you? When? Why? What's going on? What's the topic? Where do we come from? Some introduction. So if a person wants to give some piece of advice, but uh, starts off with just right you know, advice and without prefacing it with the fact that you are coming from a place of love. You are coming from a place of care. You are coming from a place of empathy, of worry, concern. Then, my beloved brothers and sisters, those that we're giving advice may not appreciate that. Even after we say that, they may not appreciate it. So what about if we don't say it? This is a common complaint that we hear uh, that, that nowadays is just a one-way street. People are, I mean, I'm sorry, what I mean by that is people constantly giving advice, but without ensuring that the aspect of muhabba and love is conveyed to the child. Or when I say child, I just don't mean little kids, even adults. This is so important that we learn from Rasulullah the expressing of love is part of our deen. We don't need to learn this from non-Muslims. We don't need to learn this from some other people. This is 100% part of our deen that a person expresses with, uh, his love with words of love. Do you know there's a man sitting with Rasulullah He says, Ya Rasulullah, he shared it. He said, I li- really like that man. No one was just passing by. The Prophet asked him, did you inform him? Did you let him know that? He says, no. He said, go tell him. Rasulullah is telling him to go tell another individual that you like him, that you love him for the sake of Allah. What about those who are our own, very own blood relatives? What about our own children? What about our own siblings? What about our own parents? All of those people, how important it is for us to express. Rasulullah the fact that he told him, go tell him is very telling. It's very powerful that it's not sufficient that you keep your love in your heart. You actually should go inform an individual. You know how nice it is? Like, just, like I'm just telling you, be honest, like today, what made my day this morning? Just, you know, I receive, I receive a, a message two hours ago from a student, Alhamdulillah, I had an opportunity to teach him, you know, 12, 12 years ago. He said, I make, made dua for you in tahajjud. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you in this day. He, made, he sent me a text. I was like, SubhanAllah, what a beautiful way, you know, to start your day. Of having someone sending a message out of the blue. Absolutely unexpected. That, okay, he made his dua. But why, the fact that he told me that, what is that? That is an expression of love, right? 
His dua is done, finished. No one told him to stand up, wake up at the hajjud and make dua. But subhanAllah, when he does that, what do you feel? You feel, you, naturally you feel not only love, but you feel obliged to make dua for that individual. SubhanAllah. So this is what we're talking about. The importance of, of doing things, it's not against ikhlas. It's not against sincerity to, to, to do something and then share it with someone. Right? You see what I'm trying to say? You're going for, you're go, you go to Mecca and Medina and you made du'as for someone uh, at, the, at the Kaaba. You made du'a for someone in Masjid al-Nabawi. You, you, you passed on someone salam at the road of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Share it. Yeah. Why not? Why did you do that? Why did you remember this individual there? Because you love them. They should know that. They should know how much muhabba you have. Is, do you, are you expecting some you know, reciprocation? No, you don't. But it's something, we, it's part of our deen that we share with people. Uh, with those who we love that you know that we actually do appreciate them and you know we don't get many times there's just not enough of that there's just not enough of the sharing of the fact that um, you know your actions are being watched and valued we value you we have to tell people that uh, in, in our uh, many of our Middle Eastern and Desi families and maybe even other parts of the world too in the East uh, there is this takalluf and there's, you know, respect and awe is awesome, you know, and a parent-child relationship of being of adab is super important. But there's no one who had more adab than the Prophet Let's Let's not try to become more pious than the Prophet Let's not try to have more culture and more etiquette than the Prophet because we cannot. We cannot. That's fake. That's wrong etiquette. That's no etiquette. If it's something that is different from that of the Prophet he has got, he's shown to us what it means to raise your child properly, what it means to, uh, to speak to your wife properly, what it means to speak to your grandkids properly. And that is expression of lots and lots of muhabba and love. And especially in this time, you know, the people, I, I, I speak with the niyyah that Allah allow my words to go into the ears of those who need to hear, whether they're present here or not. But there are so many people, subhanAllah, who, I, I, when, I, when I speak about it, young, youngsters will come and speak to me about it and say, you know what, this is what's happening in my home. I wish my dad could listen to this. I, could, my, I wish my mom could listen to this. That where people are, you know, emphasizing a'mal and deen. But what they don't understand is that it's like you are, I think I gave this example last week, is that you are reversing, trying, you're putting the pedal to the metal, or you, 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 you are, uh, you know, revving the engine when your car is stuck in a ditch. Did we talk about that example last week? I don't remember. So, okay. Well, I guess maybe I didn't. So, th this is a good example. Think about it. The car is inside the ditch and you're revving the engine. You're spinning wheels. If your car, if there's something stuck underneath the engine, if, the, if it got damaged and the, if the oil is leaking and you're doing that, you're not only going to burn your tires, but it may, it may cause the engine to catch on fire. Horrible things may happen. This is not time to rev the engine. Oh my God, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to see what I'm going to do. You know, I'm put in reverse and just, just put your foot down all the way. Nothing. You do all you want. It's too late. The car is inside the ditch. You're only going to harm yourself. you harm your car by that. You need to stay put, make sabr, wait for the tow truck to come, to just simply lift it up, and then you see how nicely you just put your foot down, immediately the car will move. But right now in this state, you cannot do that. So many of our children have fallen into the ditch. Now we're sitting there revving the engines. We are doing no benefit. We're just causing them harm. 
by saying, no, you have to recite Quran, or you have to go to the masjid, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. No. It's too late now. All of this is going to do, if you keep on insisting, this person unfortunately will end up outwardly also leaving the fold of Islam. Inwardly, we don't know what's going on right now. But even outwardly, say, oh, you know what? I'm not a Muslim anymore. Done. Khalas. That's why when someone is dying, that's why the instruction is that you don't ever tell a dying man to recite the kalima. Recite it. You don't say that. What if in the pangs of death, he says, I don't want to. I don't want to. Stop bothering me. Eh? Understand that dear dads of the world, wherever you are, and dear mothers of the world, if your child is not waking up for salah, and if you sit there and say, no, I'm going to force you to wake up, you have to. That's exactly what you're doing. Because in that state of grumpiness and anger, what if in, in, under his, Allah is hearing, in, under his blanket, he says, oh, I hate this prayer, I'm not going to pray. Now what? You ended up making your son or daughter say of words of kufr. You may say, I don't believe in salah. Right? I have nothing to do with prayer. Why you did that? Because of ignorance. Because you don't know how to deal with the situation. So this is a very scary. That we literally sometimes push people all over the edge. Don't push your sons and daughters over the edge. Your spouses off the edge. Your parents over the edge. Whoever it is. Your siblings. Don't do that. Make sure you understand and assess the situation. Work with wisdom and hikmah. Work with wisdom and hikmah. They are not praying, that's sad. But for them to deny prayer is going to be a much worse day. So when you can't keep on rubbing it in, don't rub in the things. Hikmat, hikmah. Mashallah, we're so amazing at work. We're getting promotions. We're becoming business owners. You know, we're doing so great in our professional work. Why can't we apply that at home when dealing with each other? Why do we constantly make such huge mistakes that we end up you know, breaking bridges, ruining relationships, and pushing people away from the deen. So they are, it's sad to see, you know, I wish I could speak to all these dads whose sons, and speak to all these moms whose kids come to me and share. And they're not kids, they're in their 20s. We'll say, you know what, subhanAllah, I just don't want to follow the deen anymore. Just because the way it's been presented, the way it's constantly being, uh, you know, pushed down or forced down. You have to create a mahal, an environment at home, where people pick up deen simply by Staying in that environment. It's through osmosis. It's in the air. The love of Allah. The love of Rasulullah. The love of deen. Great character is built into the system. And so just like this AC that we have in our homes running in the summer. You can't see it. You can't feel it even. You've got these vents all the way in the bottom. Sometimes under a, a bed. But mashallah it makes a room nice and cool. Without you even realizing it, it's, it's becoming cool. It doesn't have to be blowing in your face. Huh? Taking a book and right there, cardboard piece right in your face. No, right? It's very subtle, but the, how, the room becomes so nice and comfortable. So, similarly, the deen, the way we explain it to our children and our family members, has to be done in this subtle manner. You're dealing with your spouse and you're trying to bring her or him closer to the deen. Do it in a nice, subtle manner with wisdom, with lots of expressions of love and mahabba. And, uh, Whatever mistakes has happened in the past, we learn from it. If we're constantly being harsh, if we're constantly saying, well, I'm going to kick you out of the house if you don't pray. I'm going to kick you This is gone. This is, the days are gone. This worked with your dad and you. It worked with your mom and you. You could say that and we'd come right. Someone's, oh my God, Billah. I don't want to stay outside. Today he says, oh, thank you. I was just waiting for this opportunity. I'll call an Uber right now. That's the environment right now. I saw, I don't know if I, I saw a little video 
I shared this with my sheikh as well when I was traveling. I said, I said, look at America. It's a video of a, of a mom telling a five-year-old girl, you know, she says, you, can, you cannot be on your laptop all the time, your, your little tablet or whatever. So she takes it. This five-year-old gets angry. She says, really? So she packs up a bag, suitcase. And she's walking out the door. So the mom is taking a video as her daughter is walking out. And she's saying, what happened? said, I told, you know, Anna, that you can't have your phone or you can't have your gadget with you all the time. And I took it and she's angry. She packed up her bag. She said, okay, I'm going. And she's walking out. And she walks all the way to the end of the driveway, looking right and left. Where to go, where to go, where to go. She's thinking. And then she decided to go left. She started walking away. And, she, and, and the mom is just watching, making a commentary, you know. Uh, not scared, but she's making it just funny. Like this, she thinks it's funny. And then after a while, she waits and she goes to the other end of, at the end of the road or the cul-de-sac, whatever. And then she turns around and she's like, oh, forget it. Where am I going to go? She has no idea where to go. So she comes back, right? And she, she's angry. She comes back into the house. And so it's a funny, cute video. But then, as a Hazrat, the Bhagavad isi umar se shuru ho jati is mulk mein. Bhagavad, meaning this, you know, standing up against your parents and uh, being, you know, disrespectful and taking on your mom and dad, taking on authority taking on authority, starts as young as four or five years old. That you have people as young as three, four years old who today will just say, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm walking out. I'm packing the bag and leaving. But then they realize they don't have an opportunity so they come back. They're just waiting for that opportunity when it is. So this is the era right now. Shaitan is waiting. My brothers and mothers, listen to what I'm saying. Shaitan is waiting to create the perfect storm for your son and daughter to walk out. Whose son and daughter? Everyone, son and daughter. Mission accomplished. He gets that kid out of the house, then he's got him. He got him from all sides. And how this starts, the jazbah, the desire starts coming from a young age. This shouldn't, we should never create an environment in our home where a child says, you know what, I want to leave. I want to get out. And just waiting. You should not even accidentally, if you hear your child, my, accidentally you, you overhear your, your six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, Allah qaddar Allah, you overhear them saying, oh, that's it, I want to leave. Stop. Stop whatever you're doing. Cancel all your plans of whatever tarbiyah you are doing. Restart, you know, break it and start from ground zero. There should be nothing we should be doing in our home that would make a, a child say that, uh, I want to leave. I'm just waiting. Let me just wait till I get 17, 16. I get on my own feet. I'm waiting to get to college. Then we'll leave. It should be that a person should say that, even in college, I want to come from home. I want to travel back and forth from home. I'm not excited to leave. Why would I be excited? When a girl gets married and leaves, traditionally, she would feel sad and cry. Mom would cry, for example. You know? So that, should, that, that haya or that love for parents needs to remain. That a person is excited to stay. So Nabi alayhi salam, he uh, showed this love in various ways. He would hold someone's hand, like the story of Mu'adh. And he said, Indeed, I love you. And then Mu'adh radiallahu anhu said, Oh, Ya Rasulullah, may my mother and father be sacrificed for you. Ya Rasulullah, wa ana and I love you as well. Qala usika ya Mu'adh. Then Rasulullah after prefacing it with this love, he says, Let me share with you this dua. He says, Oh Mu'adh, I give you advice. He said, I love you, and then I'm giving you advice. Meaning, this is so important. It's coming from a place of love. So all of you, listen. If you want Rasulullah to love you, if you and if you, if you want to be able to enjoy his love, and listen to this advice. 
He says, لا تدعن في دبر كل صلاة Do not leave After any salah, do not leave out the following dhikr. Ensure that you do the dhikr in dua after every salah. What is that? Allahumma, say it with me. Allahumma, a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Oh Allah, assist me, a'inni, assist me ala dhikrika to remember you. I, can't, I cannot even do dhikr and remember you without your assistance. We have to ask Allah help to remember him. We have to ask Allah help to remember him. It's true. Because who remembers Allah except for the one who Allah Azza wa Jal inspires? وَشُكْرِكَ Ya Allah, allow me to be grateful to you. وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ And allow me to worship you properly. We, I know many of the elders recite this dua because you learned it from childhood. But it's very important that we teach our children these ad'iyah. After every salah. That's why it's good to recite these du'as. Many times people say it's bid'ah to make du'a collectively after salah. But I know a majority of the du'as that I know are from childhood. Simply by listening to our ustad and imam making du'a after salah. That's how we picked up these big du'as too. Alhamdulillah, we picked it up from the age of 7-8. Just by listening to our ustad and our imam regularly reciting these du'as. So there's so much hikmah in doing that du'a after salah. Right? You're, the purpose is ta'liman, to teach the people. So at home too, or wherever it is, we should make a habit of reciting certain adhkar out loud so that our kids get a habit of doing it also and they learn those du'as as well. Another instance, the Prophet ﷺ uh, related with the story of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud He says, Ya Rasulullah, teach me. Uh, I know, he says, Rasulullah taught me tashahud at tahriyatullahi wa salawat wa tayyibat ila akhiri till the end. Wa kaffi bayna kaffihi. While my hand was between, while my palm was between his palms. Meaning he was holding my hands, shaking my hands, but not just quick salam. He was holding my hands after shaking it and he taught me tashahud. Look at that. When you grab someone, one, one, one of my colleagues, he told me, Beautiful story. He said he, was, he became an engineer and then he decided to do, go to law school after that. So he said he applied for the law school and he was waiting for his, you know, um, I think so he was waiting for his results and he decided to spend a summer studying some Arabic. So once he, while he was studying Arabic, um, he said that he came, one day he came, for, he came for Dhuhr Salah in a masjid and he saw all these people surrounding some person. He said, I cut right in the line and he said, Hey, Salaam alaikum, Shaykh. So people are pulling him. He's like, What are you doing? You gotta stand in line. This is a big Shaykh, Fulan, Fulan. He said, Man, I'm just an American kid. You know, I gotta go right in and say Salaam. So the Shaykh said, He introduced himself. He said, I'm just a college student here for the summer studying Arabic at some institution. And this is who I am. And he didn't even know who he was. That person was a, a Khalifa of Shaykh Zakaria, a student of Shaykh Zakaria, a great scholar. And he was visiting from India, or he was visiting from Africa. So he, he said, um, Sheikh, if you know, sometimes again, being frank and open gets you the stuff. Just ask. So he said, Can I? I'm here for the summer. Can you teach me Arabic? SubhanAllah. So he was visiting, he had a lot of time. He says, No problem. You come meet me every day. So he said, MashaAllah, over the course of the summer, he studied one on one with this great scholar, Sarf and Nahu, and you know, all these things. The scholar did not have a right to move around the city. So he said, I have a car, I'll take you around. So he take him around and he mashallah, learned, from, learned from Arabic and got the suhbah and companionship. Eventually time came, his summer course ended and he w- decided to go back, come back to America and, 
and uh, you know go back to college so he said you're not gonna study he said no sheikh summer program ended I gotta go back to college and law school in Fulan he said okay before you leave you come and meet me so he made a point he said I want you to come meet me tomorrow not now come meet me tomorrow you see by giving ihtimam giving a special attention he said he, he said Allah, he called me the next day before I left back to the United States I came there shook my hand like this and then he said listen I want you to make this strong firm resolve that you're going back to your country but you're not gonna give up studying you're gonna continue to study and you know, he got teary-eyed as you were sharing this with me he got emotional and he said that sincerity with which he shared that message with me that shake handshake as though like an oath like as though a commitment a promise he said subhanallah I came back I didn't even go to law school I just started working as an engineer but I immediately started studying and while studying in 17 years he completed the alam course 17 years mashallah he completed the whole entire you know the Dars al program <clears throat> and now mashallah he's teaching and he said this all goes back to that muhabba and love and that one final meeting I had with him he passed away Shaykh rahimahullah rahmatun wasi'ah that scholar but with what niyyah and what ikhlas he gave him advice imparted unto this young man the importance of what he was about to embark on and the fact that we should stay connected to ilm and today alhamdulillah Allah blessed him with being able to along with having a job and wife and kids completing the alam course so this is, a, this is encouraging for, encouragement for all of, us, all of us students of college and university do not give up on your ambition to study ilm and working adults do not give up your ambition of studying ilm second thing the power of having a separate gathering to give advice right? calling someone separately and saying I want to share something this is how they will remember okay another instance a man young man comes he says Ya Rasulullah even li zina Allahu Akbar he said to Rasulullah give me permission for zina he's saying this not to mom and dad he's saying to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam upon whom the deen has been revealed upon whom the Quran has been revealed the, the people heard him and they got so upset and they started reprimanding him how dare you go say this to the Prophet how did he respond he said leave him leave him he said something unthinkable but this it's if someone comes and says to you why this about Islam why this about the Quran why I don't understand this I don't believe this or I, I have a hard time believing this he's already what I use the word infected now if you go say shame on you astaghfirullah you're my son and you say something like that it's too late now the fact that he Ovid opened up to you that was great if you say something like this we don't even know where his infections are he's coming to you and telling you he's in pain now this is not the time to slap him this is the time to actually address the issue if someone comes and says something absolutely unacceptable in deen how should we handle that this is not the time to say right? this is just gonna cause even bigger problem instead understand what he or she just told you realize your son needs help if you cannot get help if you cannot help yourself call 911 meaning you call the masjid call the alim call the shaykh and say how am I supposed to deal with this situation I have a son or daughter right now who just said something which is completely un-Islamic unacceptable 
a child or says, again, I identify X, Y, Z in today. I want to change my gender. I'm attracted to the same. If, what are you going to do with it? You're going to say, I'll be take a anger and beat him up. You can't do that. Right? That does not, that will not remove the infection. That will not remove the problem. The doubt is seeped in. Now you need to deal with it. And deal with it does not mean you beat them up or you scold them. Deal with it means you perform surgery. Very stealthily, very nicely, you go try to take out that cancer. So Rasulullah with hikmah, he said, Udnuhu, bring him close to me. He says, I want to do zina. He said, bring him close to me. Bring him close to me. And then, فَدَنَا مِنْهُ قَرِيبًا He came very close to Rasulullah فَجَلَسَ He sat This is what's mentioned The Prophet did not speak to him from a distance Hey, bye, don't do this He brought him close Make him feel special Make him know that Hey, I'm sharing Whatever I'm sharing to you Is between you and I This is between us not, no one needs to know about this. You, you get them in your confidence. Make them, give them what we call, a, what they call it? Safe space. These people of batil and falsehood, Allah forbid, are providing so-called safe spaces. And our own homes do not provide a safe space for our children. Our masjids are not a safe space for our children at times. Because not having good leadership. People who don't know how to deal with this. You know, if a person walks into the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dressed inappropriately, you have to deal with it the way the Prophet dealt with someone urinating in the masjid. It's too late. It's too late. Now, he's already started urinating there. If you stop him, that he cannot stop, it will actually spread. The urine will spread. It will be painful. It won't stop. It will become a bigger problem. And if you get angry, like anyone would naturally want to, he'll never come back to the masjid. You'll never get a chance to even teach him. So someone comes, male, female, whatever, comes inappropriately dressed to the masjid. This is not the time where we pounce on them. It's at a time where, with muhabba and love, we, someone, not 10 people, not 100 people, one person, ideally the imam, for example, deal with them with wisdom and hikmah. Take them to a private area. Don't scold them in the public. Don't teach them in the public. Take them to the private area. And speak with them with lots of wisdom and hikmah and teach them this is the etiquette of the house of Allah like Rasulullah said these masajid are meant for the remembrance of Allah these other things are not you know allowed over here after he finished after the man finished so because of us not having like you know they say don't become more Christian than the Pope don't become more pious than Rasulullah don't think that you have more muhabba and love for the masjid than your Nabi this is not love for this is your own personal anger that's not how it works. You, t- you say something harsh to a person and he walks away and leaves the masjid. How are you going to deal with that in the court of Allah Azawajal tomorrow? I sent a servant, poor servant of mine who wanted to change his life. Who do you think you are? That you kicked him out of my house. This is, never was your house. I don't care who built it or who does what. This is my house. Always been Allah's house. Who are we to sit there and kick someone out? Out of the, you know, protecting the sanctity of the masjid. Yes, there may be certain instances where a person is uh, majnoon. A person is inflicting harm upon himself or others. Physical harm or other type of harm. A person may need to deal with that with, from a place of love. That you say, no, we're going to take you, get help. 
Not to say you're, we're going to throw you out on the street. But we're going to try to get you the mahabba and the love, uh, you know, try to get you the help that's there. I know what I'm saying is not easy in all circumstances. I realize that. But I'm just simply trying to say is that we try our best not to shut the doors of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon a sincere but misguided individual. A sincere but, uh, you know, ignorant individual of the deen. The job for ignorance is that we teach them. You know, that, that, I'm sorry, the job of our, our, all of us is to teach people who do not have the knowledge. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then spoke to him with a soft tone and he said, ummika? Would you like this for your mother? That someone does this? He says, La, la wallah, ja'alani Allahu fida'ak. <laughs> he, he's changed his tone. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make me your ransom. May Allah make me a ram. May Allah make me a shield to protect you from any harm. Never. I would never like this for my mother. Okay. People do not like this for their mothers either. You're not alone. You're on the right track. You're exactly making sense. You say what everyone says. Yeah. You know, you're on the same page. Okay. Then he says, Alright. Would you like this for your daughter? Would you like this for your sister, your, your aunt, etc.? He said, no, no. The Prophet put his hand on him. Now imagine a great person like the Prophet Of course, he got the barakah of the blessed hands of Rasulullah. But imagine how this man felt that this is the love I'm receiving. I'm misguided. Everyone's jumping on me. But look at this Nabi, how he puts his hand on the Prophet, on this man, and this young person. And he says, Allahumma ghfir dhambahu. O Allah, forgive his sins. Wa tahir qalbahu. And O Allah, purify his heart. Wa hassin farjahu. And O Allah, grant him chastity. Make him chaste. Make him chaste. Alright? So now, what we learn from here is that even if someone comes to us with an outlandish situation, your own son and daughter says something outlandish against the deen, beloved brothers and sisters, this is the time to show them love. This is the time to show them care. We're not saying what you said is right. No, you're going to say, but he, he, he said something against... He said, you know, this example is like your child, Allah forbid, or not, and I hope never happens to your child or my child. But they're already at the roof of the house with a knife in their hand and they're gonna say I wanna kill myself or I wanna jump how would you deal with this situation? you cannot get angry you have to talk them out of it in a very nice soft loving tone the way they speak to a hostage taker no one screams at a hostage taker usually they're mentally distraught psychologically distraught individuals it's a tense situation. You have to de-escalate it. So when a son or a daughter becomes rebellious against Allah and His Rasul and against your parents, this is the time to now de-escalate the situation in a very calm manner. Your calmness and softness does not mean you approve of what they are saying against Allah and His Rasul. But rather you want them to come down from the roof, come down from the lobby and not take their life. And then you can get them the attention they need. Right now you need them to put their arms down and open up to you fully. So that you can hold them, grab them, guide them to a better place than where they are right now. 
So don't think again, are you telling me someone is speaking ill about Allah and Rasul and I don't get mad? It won't help the situation. Do you not want Allah and Rasul to be respected? You know what? The ayah you should remember? Do not curse those people. Do not curse the non-Muslims and the mushrikeen. Do not curse those who worship someone besides Allah. Otherwise, they will end up cursing Allah. You have caused people to curse Allah and curse the Prophet by cursing them or their gods first. That's why don't cause a situation for yourself like this. Nabi said in one hadith, the gist of which is don't curse your parents. Now, of course, nowadays we're like, okay, yeah, we got that. But that time the Sahaba didn't understand that. What do you mean curse your parents? How could a person ever, ever, ever speak back or curse their parents? Something that was unfathomable. Then he explained. He said, the way that happens is when you curse someone else's parents. Then in retaliation, he says, oh, you said that about my mother? Well, I'm going to say this about your mother. So what happened? You ended up cursing, getting your mother cussed out. You, got, you, you ended up getting your own father yelled at or screamed at or cursed at. Because you cursed someone else's parent and this was retaliation. So Rasulullah basically equated you cursing someone else to cursing your own parents. Because look at the retaliation. You curse Allah and you curse a, a, non, a disbeliever or their God. It's equivalent to getting Allah cursed out. A'udhu Billah. So dealing with our child inappropriately, now that he is already fed up with deen, will end up getting Allah Azza wa Jal and Rasulullah Sallam belied. Why? Would you like that? I'm giving you a way to understand this situation. Because some of us might say, Brother, I love my deen. I don't care if it's my son. I love my Allah. If, if he says this, that's it. I'm going to go after him. What do you mean go after him? Will you be able to change him? No. He will continue cursing Allah even more. He will continue to curse the deen even more. So this is part of your love for Allah, part of your love for Rasulullah that you de-escalate the situation and not take a st- stubborn, strong stance at that time. You need to, you have to, you, like mistakes have been made before. We are basically suffering from mistakes of the past. What happened, we can go reflect on what happened. Now let's deal with the situation and that is we have to do it in a very soft, kind manner. SubhanAllah, so this will became an, uh, a further introduction to this beautiful hadith. How much ilm there is in the deen is unbelievable. Ajeeb, from one hadith, we didn't go to the second and third piece of advice, which we will, inshallah, in the future, if Allah grants us all life, inshallah. But uh, you, you, how do we feel now after listening? Do we not genuinely feel that the only place to find solutions to our problems is in deen? There's no problem, no situation that you and I are going through, or anyone else in this ummah is going through, but that Allah and His Rasul have given us the answer. It's all there in hadith. It's all there in the Quran. It's all there in the writings of our ulama. But a person needs to have this trust. If we're looking, uh, you're looking for your keys on the roof, how are you going to find it, bai? How are you going to find it? If we're looking for solutions all over, except for in Islam, we're not going to be able to find it. We're going to be lost. May Allah give us tawfiq to look for the solutions in the deen. Allow us to find those solutions. And allow us to, inshallah, practice on it and share it with others as well. Do any of you here have any relevant uh, questions that you would like to ask um, before we do the dhikr and dua? Anyone here any relevant questions or just yes, brother? Children, youth, ages, what ages? 
children of Gideon, uh, what is the, some advice on, 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 on towing out a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old? Right? Um, well, besides whatever I, I mentioned already uh, about making sure it's coming from a place of love and muhabba, um, you know, whatever we speak about, it's getting a lot of chance to, you know, you have to understand who you're dealing with, right? What, again, let's look at a hostage crisis. Are they, what do you do? What's the first thing in a hostage crisis? You let the person speak. Correct? If you're screaming, hey, how did you do this, man? This is crazy. That's not going to work. You're going to hear gunshots. Game over. Right? You have to let that person vent. He's going to say, I lost my job. I got a problem with my girlfriend. Fulan, fulan. He's going to go on his old thing. Like, okay. And then you have to show empathy. So we have to let our children, for example, speak. Sometimes it's outlandish. You didn't give me that bike when I was five years old. Like, what are you talking about? I gave you a hundred other things. And you forgot the other bike that, you, that I did get you. Okay, this is not the time to go back and forth. Just let them, you know, vent and talk about all their problems. Because when children become disobedient or especially start leaving the deen, this is a symptom of some, uh, you know, low-lying issues that you didn't see or I wasn't aware of, that underlying issues. We have to get to that issue until you don't figure out where the water leak is coming. Don't we, when you have a water leak in the house, uh, for example, or your roof leaks, you're like, oh, I wish this rain, I wish it continues to rain till my roofer comes. Yeah? Because you want to figure out what's happening. Because if, you, if, the rain, if it's not raining, there's no way you're going to figure out where the building is leaking from. So, <clears throat> when it's raining, and it's, you, you start, this is like perfect. Let me take a video, let me make notes of where it's leaking. So when, they're t- when they start speaking, you want it for them to come all out. All out. When, where, which incident, which place, how did this all start? What triggered this? Get it? Because it's usually trauma. It is trauma many times. And when did this trauma happen? How did it happen? And what is causing this child to become so angry? I mean, this is real things I'm telling you. That it's trauma. This anger is based on some bad experience that they had. Was it the madrasa, at the masjid, at the Islamic school, at it with a relative, with an uncle? Maybe with the way we said. I remember Nadir Ali Khan, Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, one of the elders of Tabligh and a professor of, of Aligarh University. An amazing individual. Allah Akbar. I remember I heard one time in his bayan, he was talking about his own grandchild, I think so. And he said, you know, uh, he said there was guests there and he was, the four-year-old was acting up. So the mom or dad scolded him, the child. He says, after the guests left, the child you know, bursted out crying. And he was angry and he was hurt. Four-year-old, five-year-old. And he was saying, you know, right? Why did you scold me in front of the guest? Why did you get mad at me? And he was so angry and he was so upset and hurt that why did you scold me in front of the guest? He said, a four-year-old has emotions. A four-year-old has emotions. You cannot just get up and just scold him anytime you want. Because he's got him, he's broken, he's heartbroken. What he did was wrong. But you have no right to break the heart of a four-year-old. So if a four-year-old has emotions, you think a 14-year-old doesn't have one? That's the problem. I think we just become so emotionless ourselves. We don't understand that people, you know, they have to be dealt in a kind manner. Yeah, we have to correct them. But how do we correct them? So that's the trauma. 
if a person was scolded say in front of her if his cousins or his relatives or so forth uh, many this is the old desi habit always scold the kids in front of other people how many times i've seen it myself almost yeah, in front of the public yeah this kid is a useless one make dua for him he's a, he's a, he's a loser this kid he's he's a plus student he's doing great his brother oh man barely can get seats why do we need to know about all these things you need in confidence you come and share can you give me some advice but in front of the child you are comparing him to his sibling her sibling and you are denouncing them in front of a, even one or two or three relatives or friends absolutely not allowed but we don't think doesn't this happen this is the norm this is the norm and we what, this, what kind of culture is this this is no deen this is jahalat this is ignorance absolutely not deen so we need to let these children speak, is what I'm saying. You, you just make mental notes of what's going on. Maybe even record it and take notes. Literally write notes. Because right at that time, you're so emotional as a dad or a mom or a sibling or a brother or whatever it is, that you might not be able to remember all of that. So if there's a possible, you just record that conversation with the sake of literally re-listening to it and taking notes to figure out exactly what it is because when a person sometimes loses their temper they, they let it all out you need that you need that venting session got that? that's the very first thing once you figure out when and where and how this trauma happened then you try to start addressing it and people who were victims like anyone therapist will tell you the last thing they want you to know, hear and which is incorrect is to tell them that it was their fault doesn't work like that at, you have to shift the blame from that person because he will never be able to heal if you keep on making him feel incorrectly that it's them to the blame. Oh, why didn't you tell me at that time? Okay, it's over. Why, you know, it's, it's, you just say, okay, at that time, you know what? I didn't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Not to say, why didn't you tell me? Because that's just going to make him even more angry. So you say, I wish I knew this happened. I wish I was aware. May Allah forgive me for not doing more than whatever I have done and I did to find out this situation. So what I'm saying is you need to basically give them an, a reason or an excuse for their behavior. You have to make them understand. Not to say that what they're doing is right. But rather, give them a logical explanation so that they feel not violated. They feel that you are understanding where they come from. Not to say what you just did is right. I understand your frustration. I may have done the same thing. I may have broken this vase out of anger. I understand where you're coming from. Is it right that you broke a vase? No, it's not. We don't need to talk about that right now. We're simply letting them know we understand the underlying issues that cause them to, to uh, you know, lash out, for example. So that, that goes a long way. Because then now they say, oh, subhanAllah, I'm being validated. Not to say what I did is wrong, right, but at least they, this person understands my frustrations. That's such an important part. And then the third thing is, you start paving a way out for them. To say, whatever happened has happened. Now we're going to go towards healing. If you're frustrated about your experience, no problem. We're going to make it better. I had a horrible experience, XYZ place in the masjid. That's why I'm here. We're going to make sure not only that does not happen, but that the rest of your experiences are even much better. And how? You choose. Let's talk about it. How can we have a better experience? Can we go to a different place? Can we, go, can we travel? Can we go for a short vacation? Can we do this? Can we do that? What, what, will, be, what will help you, uh, you know, you decide. 
What do you want? Let me hear from you. If he simply says, no, I don't want help. No, that's not there. I'm here to help. I have to. I'm your mom and dad. I'm your older sibling, etc. I'm here to help. I'm your uncle. I'm here to help. So we cannot just say no. All of this may not happen within the first experience. It may take a few tries. But eventually, inshallah, we'll be successful. Um, another thing is that the, the, the explanation of deen that we give to our kids, it needs to be very subtle. Should not be direct. You have to do it in a subtle manner. You're, you're going to, a, you're going to a, you find out there's a good deeny program happening in another part of the country. For example, and so you, let's, let's plan out a weekend vacation. You plan it out. Be smart. Come on. We're all, mashallah, intelligent professionals. You go to eat out here. You got to go to rides over there. And just happen to pray Lohar, which you already know which masjid you're going for Lohar that has a program with a scholar. And you say, oh, mashallah. This is like, you know what? Mashallah, we've had such a great weekend. We're going to go out again to ice cream. How about we sit for half an hour? Right? And then we leave. But it's got to be done very nonchalantly. It seemed as though it was kind of haphazard and just happened out of nowhere. Use hikmah and wisdom and how you play that. Third thing is use ruqya as well. Right? Ruqya, either ruqya where you can get a son or daughter or young man or woman, if they are willing to read or listen to ruqya, mashallah. But if they're not willing to read or listen to ruqya, then there are certain ruqya that a father or mother or concerned parent can do for their own loved one. And I'll share one with you right now. This is something that was shared with me by my ustad in this past summer. Is that a person uh, uh, recites, for example, the, it's, it's called Ayatul Qutub. It is Thumma Anzal Alikum Min Ba'dil Gham, Ayah from Surah Al Imran, Ayah number 154. Ayah 154 of Al Imran, which is third surah of the Quran. Okay? Thumma Anzal Alikum Min Ba'dil Gham, Mi Amanatan Nuasin Yaksha Ta'ifata Minkum. Till the end of the ayah. This is the uh, ayah that was revealed in the Battle of Uhud. I'm going to read the translation of it. <clears throat> but this ayah, ayah 154, and ayah 200, which is the last ayah of Surah An Nisa as well. Um, Al Imran. I'm sorry. Last ayah of Al Imran, right before Surah An Nisa starts. So ayah 154 and ayah 200. Ayah 154 and ayah 200 of. Which surah? Al-Imran. Ya al-lazina musbiru, wasabiru, warabitu, watakullaha la'allakum tuflihun. Very effective of removing that shaitan that sometimes overtakes anyone, including our kids. And a person, the method of reciting that, he explained to me, was that a person should, uh, you know, this is what we call tajarib of the ulama. This is from the experiences of our scholars. Not to say that there is a hadith specifically about what I'm sharing. But the fact that the Qur'an is shifa. Qur'an is the best cure. So ulama have found this, this specific verse to be beneficial for the situation that we're dealing with. That a person recites Hisar, Ayatul Kursi, three times, five times, seven times, odd number of times, Ayatul Kursi. Uh, the last page of Surah Al-Baqarah, Amin Rasul, the last three verses. Okay? And then, Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum, Birahmatika Nastaghith. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum, Birahmatika Nastaghith. The two great names of Allah, begging Him, begging him for assistance. That seven times. Ayatul Kursi, odd number of times. Once the last three ayats of Surah Al-Baqarah. Seven times. And then a person makes niyyah, intention. Through the barakah of these recitals, Allah is protecting me. Like an aura of protection around me. And an aura of protection around the brother or sister, son or daughter, nephew or niece, uncle or aunt, mom or dad that I'm making dua for. Once that's done, 
Then we begin to recite this ayah. Read this odd number of times. However much Allah gives you tawfiq. 11 times, 21 times, 41 times. With focus. That through the barakah of this, Ya Allah, whatever is sitting on their mind, be, may be removed. Whatever is sitting on their heart, that is dis- taking them away from the deen, may be removed. And the next one is, Ya Rabitu, the ayah I shared with you. Read that as well. And just to tell you an example, he said one of his students came to him, he said, my brother has been locked up, depressed in his room for I don't know how many days. As, unfortunately, this is happening in too many of our homes right now. People who are depressed and sitting on their video games locked up. So he said, he, I gave him this ayah. He sat, he, the brother sat down to read. We literally within minutes, he opened the door and came out. All right? And it was just like something just got removed from him. You have a child that all of a sudden went to a party and now all of a sudden starts screaming and crying. It happens. You, your kids are dressed up nicely. Kids get ayin and nadar very quickly. Right? They all of a sudden tri- start tripping and falling. Like, what's going on? Everything is fine. Now, non-stop. So recite this. You'll see, inshallah, it's about better. This is for istiqam and jadeen. Istiqam and jadeen. Along with the method I shared with you, he advised that this last ayah, ayah 200, should be recited on a food item that we eat regularly at home, the children, or whoever you're making dua for. Say something every single day, you're going to put sugar in their tea or coffee or whatever else or anything else you're putting on salt something that's going to be used at home regularly recite this verse odd number of times 21 times more or less and blow it on that food item so that it's being ingested every single day so uh, to uh, wrap that up is that ruqya is very important in this day and age in dealing with all of these situations because beyond all the external ways that we use to treat our um, you know, sick individuals, spiritually sick individuals, we have to use uh, Quran as well. Because there's no doubt that this is a massive attack of shaitan on our children and our community that we are seeing the suffering of. Does that answer your question? Good. So thank you for asking that. I think others also benefited from that. G. When you're dealing with haram, your loved one is drinking, your loved one is in, uh, using uh, intoxicants, drugs, etc. This is haram, what am I supposed to do? Well, now we have to realize that you, your goal would be that I want to, in my heart, I, it's like, you know, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if you have the ability, stop it with your tongue. If you have the ability, stop it with your hand. If you have the ability, if you can't do that, all that, then at least feel bad about it in your heart. The situation right now is you're dealing with an, with an adult who, who will just easily walk out and even go into a bigger problem. So, you are now, it's not like under, oh, it's not under my roof. Well, at least you want someone to remain a Muslim under your roof. If right now, if we, if we, if we make it uh, difficult, and we say, no, this is not permissible, more than likely they will leave the house, and then unfortunately leave Islam as well. So we, again, we are not okay with them indulging in haram, but we're looking at the big picture, that if we now, it's like what this hadith says, if you cannot, if you cannot, then at least feel guilty in your heart. And so yeah, you cannot, right? Now you cannot grab their beer bottles and throw it away, because depending on who the person is, but you know, they may end up just you know, becoming violent and physical with you, or just leaving the house. And it's not like good riddance. I wouldn't say that, because there are chances of people actually coming back to the deen over time. Especially, I want all of you to understand the importance of 
of ruqya, even for addictions. It requires a lot of ruqya as well, on top of all these other things that you might be, uh, you know, uh, beneficial. So it takes time. Ruqya doesn't happen. How many people are actually practicing on Ruqya? How many people are sitting there reading Afkar? How many people are reading Tahajjud? How many people are doing various things? Unfortunately, not too many. People just come, you know, I try to talk my son out of it, but he doesn't listen. Well, talking is not going to work always. Sometimes you have to talk to Allah. Right? Just sit there and speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and use all the means available, spiritual means available, to combat this issue. Yes. When a person reads the ayah of Ruqyad, is it important to pay attention to the meaning? You should have conviction that through the barakah of, of the recital of the word of Allah, Allah will assist. Surah Fatiha, if a person recites it with a knee of shifa from hadith, Allah will give shifa. Even if you don't know the meaning, you read Qul Falaq, Qul Nas for the knee of, of protection, Allah will protect you from the evil. Yes, it's to help you focus. By all means, you can go ahead and read the translation and the tafsir of it. That's, that's fine, but it's not necessary. The key thing is yaqeen, conviction from the heart. Anything else? I didn't expect it to go this long, but you, you, all of you, subhanAllah, Allah reward you for being patient. And now you're going to say, hey, we need lunch. Brunch, huh? Yeah, so, yeah. Inshallah, Allah, Allah accept and, and make it easy for all. Guide my children, your children, our parents, our siblings, and keep us guided. And, and, and wherever we are making mistakes, and we are going towards misguidance in our own lives, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to understand where we are faltering and failing and allow us to rectify ourselves. <clears throat> we will inshallah uh, do some dhikr for a few minutes. Um, you can join uh, uh, by doing dhikr out loud or just in an audible tone or do dhikr in your heart. Just do dhikr in your heart, you know, uh, as you wish inshallah, whatever you're comfortable with. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 
محمد الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه Inshallah, as we make dua, I'd like to ask all of you to remember Mufti Abdullah Nana. Also, in your dua, who had just had a long brain surgery and removed a tumor uh, on yesterday for yesterday. So please, let's make dua for a complete shifa for him. And all those who are going through difficult difficulties, one of our students, a 14-year-old young high school student here, Ayman, subhanAllah, she suffered a very bad hemorrhage a few weeks ago and, uh, and still is... Um, you know, uh, 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 going through a lot of difficulty. So we ask Allah to completely retor- uh, res- uh, return her health 100% back to her and grant her shifa and grant lots of patience, abundance of patience to her parents and her family and lots of ajr for her difficulty that she's going through and make that a means of barakah in her ilm and her amal. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. And all those other brothers and sisters who requested dua that we inshallah keep them uh, in, our, in, in our minds inshallah. Additionally, this Monday, this Monday, Salatul Dhuhr, I know it's a working day, you're at work, but if you have time to come and pray Dhuhr here, please do so. We have one of the most uh, senior ulama alive, uh, mashallah, Mawlana Arshad Madani, the son of Mawlana Hussein Ahmad Madani, rahimahumullah, uh, one of the leading muhadithun and a great, uh, 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 you know, protectors of Islamic identity in the entire subcontinent, and the great, one of the greatest uh, uh, teachers of hadith, who all of our lineage goes back to. Uh, his son, who is also in his mid-80s, very elderly, subhanAllah, and he's the president of Jamiat Ulama Hind, and is on tens and tens of various international bodies, uh, ulama councils. Uh, so inshallah, we'll be honored, inshallah, to be hosting him for a very short program. Uh, he's going to be here for Salat al-Dhuhr, inshallah, on Monday, and at IIE Elgin Madrasa at Maghrib Salah. So, we, you know, 
Wallahi, I tell you, we don't know if we're going to ever see these, these type of individuals and of this age again. All of, them, all of them and those in this age group have already passed through or are passing away. So it's an honor for us to be able to see them, greet them, and have our children see them and greet them. They might not know who they are. No problem. Afterwards, you can tell them. But, you know, just even if you don't understand Urdu, even if you don't understand, we'll have a translation. But regardless, these are ulama awliya. We should benefit from their company. I encourage all of you to try your best. College students, high school students who are off from school, please spread this message. Come here for Salatul Dhuhr on Monday, day after tomorrow. Uh, for a little bit, inshallah, we a short program. Uh, with Mawlana uh, Arshad Madani and you can read his bio online if you google it you'll be able to find Mawlana Arshad Madani uh, from Dioband uh, Alhamdulillah he's a teacher of hadith there as well for you know decades and decades uh, so that's a program that's happening at Darussalam inshallah uh, we have our Tuesday night's tafsir inshallah after Maghrib Thursday night salawat program and of course our weekly team fajr all of these are live streamed so if you, even if you're, an, if you're traveling you can listen to it from the YouTube channel additionally our high school program will begin August 14th so if you have anyone of high school age boys or girls and we take girls as, uh, from the 8th grade and boys from the ninth grade if they want to do an integrated high school program with the alima or alim program alhamdulillah please come visit and uh, just check the website for, for details that program starts August 14th similarly our one year program for any girl, sisters who completed high school there are college age girls or university or married moms who want to um, come and study the deen alhamdulillah that program begins August 14th as well so there's still time if they want to come in and learn about that inshallah we are looking for volunteers to host our team fajr breakfast so if you would like to sponsor a breakfast for the next few weeks where we are have a lot of empty slots so we haven't really booked anyone yet for the next weeks so if you are interested online on site you're listening to me please reach out to us and um, take responsibility of inshallah one of the breakfast of these uh, upcoming weeks
رب اجعلني مقيم الصلاة ومن ذريتي ربنا وتقبل دعاء رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة 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 سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين آمين آمين إن شاء الله let's perform صلاة الإشراق two rakah and two rakah any surah can be recited inshallah get the reward of an accepted hajj and umrah and through the next surah Allah Azza wa Jal will fulfill all the needs of our day inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh